Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. So most of the time when I'm, when I'm preaching a message, unless the pastor gives me a particular topic, which he did not today, uh, usually I just bring to you what I feel like the Lord has been doing in my life and the things that he's been revealing in my life. And so a lot of the people who are in my life have been hearing me say this over and over again. And I've been saying over and over again, oh, but that thought process is on the east side of the Jordan, not the west side of the Jordan. And so I'm going to share a little bit more about you, but, about that in a minute. But I want to share with you um, about five, six, seven weeks ago, the Lord just began to really challenge me in the regular rhythms that I have in my life, specifically spiritual disciplines. And I don't always like to use that word, but we're going to use it because it's necessary and it's a, a necessary act in our life. We have to be disciplined in a lot of the spiritual actions of our life. And so I started thinking about, you know, reading the word every day and praying every day. And these things are not a problem for me. You know, I have a rhythm. Like, I read the Word every day. I sit in Scripture every day. I pray with God. And I'm not saying all that to be arrogant. I'm saying that to tell you that even in that, God was saying, but I think you can do better. Like, the level of the anointing that you currently walk in, the level of revelation that you currently have, you're very comfortable in that. You've become very comfortable in the level of your anointing. You're very comfortable in your routine. And if you continue, if you decide to continue where you're at, I will continue to bless you where you are at. But if you want to go deeper, if you want to experience more, if you believe that there is more, if you would press in more, if you would move beyond some of the things in your life that are just uh, every day, even some of the things in your life that are permissible, and begin to shift and think into either better or the beneficial, imagine what I could do. And so that really challenged me when the Spirit said, man, I love your anointing, and I know you love it, I know you're comfortable with it, but, but, but somehow you've gotten comfortable even at the level that you're at. And I'd like to do even more. And so I began to read in uh, Numbers 32. Now, in Numbers 32, I'm going to give you a little bit of a history message, history uh, teaching here. In Numbers 32, this is their second go at the promised land. So if you remember, in Numbers 13 was the first time when the Israelites uh, began... I love the rustling of the papers. See, there's gen, not Gen Z people in the room that still actually use paper. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Keaton. I'm messing with this poor kid. Um, he's probably going to turn my mic off here in a minute. He's going to be like, boop. Um, so in Numbers 13 is the first time they go to enter into the promised land. And we remember there's evidence of the promised land. There's evidence of the promise in the promised land. There's fruit. There are things that they can see. But if you recall, they chose not to enter into the promised land because of fear, because of, of, of the big people in the land. And they saw themselves as grasshoppers and they backed out. And, and the result of that was that God said this entire generation is going to die in the wilderness and the next generation, I'll give them a second chance, okay? So we're at that second chance in Numbers 13. Now, remember, there were 12 tribes of Israel, and it was the 12 tribes, they were the 12 sons of Jacob, they were going to be entering into the promised land. The covenant that was given to Abram many years before this is now coming true. It is time, we are at the cusp, and I want you to read with me in Numbers 32, starting in verse 1, it says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, those were two of the 12 tribes, they were two of the brothers. 
they had a very great multitude of livestock. And when they saw, everybody said they saw, when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that indeed the region was a place for livestock, the children of God and the children, children of Gad and the children of Reuben, again, two of the 12 tribes, came and they spoke to Moses and, they, and to Eliezer, the priest, and to the leaders of the congregation saying, I skipped all the names of the people, the country which the Lord defeated before the congregation of Israel is a land for livestock and your servants, meaning us, we have livestock. We are very successful. I'm adding some words here for those of you. We are very successful. That's what we do. And this land is great for that. Now, mind you, you have the Jordan River here and you have the east side, depending on, I'm trying to do it backwards for you guys. You have the east side that they need to cross over to get to the west side. So they need to cross over the Jordan and the promised land is on the west side of the Jordan. But they're standing on the east side, they're on the edge of their promise, and they say this, therefore, they said, if we have found favor in your sight, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Do not take us over the Jordan. Now, I teach a class on Monday mornings, and we, often, we, read, we always read scripture. We always read scripture, and often I will ask the class, what is the saddest verse in this entire chapter? And I would like to propose that if we read this entire chapter, this is potentially one of the saddest verses. Because here they are on the edge. I want you to get a picture with me that the Jordan River represents the barrier from the wilderness to the promise. It represents the barrier. Let me just put it like this. In our lives, it represents the barrier from the natural to the supernatural. It's the, I've arrived, I have come into, I have stepped into the fullness of God. So the Jordan represents the border to their promise. It represents the border to their inheritance. This was the moment they had been waiting for. The entire Old Testament is God trying to move his people from the land of lack into the land of promise. Mind you, it started in the land of promise with the Garden of Eden. And man backed away from the promise, stepped into the wilderness, and all throughout the Old Testament, we see God saying, but I have a land for you, but I have a place for you, but I have a life for you, I have a plan for you, I have a path for you, but I have a purpose for you. And that path, it has a, it's a provision that you have not worked for. It has wells that you have not dug. It has fruit that you have not sown. It has an abundance for you. Look, I really think that in so many places, we operate on the east side of the river and we miss out of the ease of the west side of the Jordan. They had no idea. And that was part of the problem is somehow they had determined that the land where they were at was enough. The land which they could see was good enough. 
I want to remind you in Deuteronomy, it says this about the land where they're going. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. It is a land with brooks. It's a land with streams. It's a land with deep springs gushing, gushing up into the valleys and hills. It's a land with wheat and barley. It's a land with vines and fig trees. It's a land with pomegranates. It's a land with olive oil. It's a land with honey. It's a land where bread will never be scarce. You will never lack for anything. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. But if it's okay with you, we'd like to settle over here. We can see it. We can almost smell it. But we're going to stay over here. We're going to settle on the east side. And just like the history of their forefathers who would not enter into the promise, despite the evidence of fruit, we see this happening again in the second generation, in the brothers of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh. In 1 John 2.16, it says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And part of what happened here is they get caught up in what they can see. And they settle for what they can see. And I would like to propose to you that a lot of us have settled on what we can see. When the Bible says That eternity isn't about what is seen. The spirit isn't about what is seen. It's about the unseen. It's not about the temporary. It's about the eternal. That's what it tells us in Corinthians. It tells us that God is in places that you cannot see. But isn't it true that often we'll even take the things we see and say, look, it must be God. We'll even assign our comfort zone to, it's so easy, it must be God. And I'm not saying that's not sometimes the case, but what I am saying is sometimes it's not the case. And we have to be willing for it not to be the case, and we have to be willing to say, okay, is there more for, that I have? Look, it would be easy, if I'm, if I'm gathering room, it's easy for us to throw them under the bus. But if I'm Reuben and Gad, I feel like that makes sense. Look, we've got all this livestock. We need lots of land. You guys go take that land. We'll stay here. We'll do you a favor. We'll let you have the abundance. And they did not cross over. And so they go on and they say, Moses says to them, said to the children of Gad and to the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war while you sit here? Oh, what well, this might be the saddest verse in this in the chapter. Maybe I don't know. He says, "Now will you discourage the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord has given to them?" So he's challenging them and saying, "Okay, so you're just going to sit here while you let your brethren go and fight." And here's what's interesting is they go on in the chapter to say, "Well, you know what? We'll set up our camp here. We'll get our children all kind of nestled in. We'll build our homes or all these things. And then we'll arm ourselves and we'll go over and we'll fight with you. And we'll temporarily step in. Come on. Who I mean, go we go to church on Sunday, but I'm going to go back to my east side on Monday." They step into the west side for a moment and say, "We're We're doing our due diligence in the kingdom because I sent 0.6% of my life, that's one hour a week, on the west side doing battle. And then I wonder why I'm getting my butt kicked. Can I say butt? Okay, I just did. So sorry. Rewind. My bottom kicked. We wonder why we're getting our bottom kicked Monday through Saturday because you're hanging out in the east side. 
So basically they said, okay, we'll cross over and we'll fight, but then we're coming back to our comfortability. We're coming back to what we've become familiar with. We're coming back to what we can see. And like them, many of us justify the east side by going to church once a week and saying we're believers, that we're doing a work in God, that we're settling in the promised land because I spend 0.6% of my life in church. Come on. Some of you come on Thursday nights for the men's. Good for you. That's 1.2% of your life. If you think that is the best God has in mind for you, you're on the east side. Because God has something more for you. We experience the supernatural for an hour. We warfare in the spirit while we're at church. We puff our chests up with pride because we withhold from gossip while we're at church. We settle our anger while we're at church. We don't act a fool while we're at church. But when we go back to our homes, we act a fool with our kids. We talk nasty to our husbands. We talk about our mother-in-laws. We gossip when we're at work. And we wonder why we're not reaping the promises of God. Because you have compromised. And you think, I can play eeny me, I can play the hokey pokey. Oh, that's a good one. I can play the hokey pokey with the west side of the Jordan. I think it's funny. I love it. And we, we, I love when the Lord's like, say the hokey pokey. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but here's the deal. Bottom line, Reuben and Gad grabbed a hold of the good land and they missed out on the God land. And I'm going to tell you, but we, we've read a book called Good to Great. It's one of our, probably one of our all-time favorite books. And it talks about how the enemy of greatness is goodness. And I'm talking to some mature believers in this church. So I'm not talking to you about walking away from sin. I'm talking about walking away from things that you have determined are permissible in your life, but they have no benefit to your growth. I'm talking about the things you're like, oh, yeah, it's not a big deal if I slip up and cuss here or there. But imagine if you removed those words from your mouth, what God would replace it with. So uh, you're right. It's permissible. Everything. The Bible says everything is permissible. But not everything is beneficial. Not everything is going to be a benefit and is going to grow you. And if you want to experience the West side, we have to be willing to say, okay, what are some of the things that are, eh, okay. I mean, they're not bad. It's not like I'm like, you know, uh, going out and shooting up meth or I'm not blah, 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 whatever it is. And so we settle just like they did. They grabbed a hold of the good land and missed out on the God land. And, we, and they settled for what they can see. They settled for what looked like good enough. And in doing so, what they said is, we're going to opt out on the promise. We're going to opt out on the promise. Come on, they knew the promise. They saw the promise. They stepped into the promise. But then they were like, oh, I'm going to opt out on the promise. Beyond that, I want you to see that the Jordan River was also the border of protection. What we realize is if we continue to read on in Scripture is they are actually on the east side of the Jordan, in the direct path of the Assyrian king. So when Assyria comes in to take them in captive, guess who goes first? Gad and Reuben. Why? Because they didn't enter in to the border of protection that God had in mind for them. And some of us hang out here in the land of the permissible and we wonder why the devil is coming after us. Because you haven't stepped in to the glory of the Lord. You haven't stayed in. I'm going to step, step. I don't even want to say step in. You haven't stayed in. You haven't stayed, and it was prophesied over me probably three or four years ago. I didn't even understand the prophetic word at the time. This guy is super, he's passed on now, but he's super. Y'all think I'm weird in the spirit. 
Um, He's speaking in these like hooky-mooky words. And so he said to me, the Lord says that you are so tucked into the glory. And when you reach out and minister to people, your hand comes out of the glory. And you touch and you touch and you deliver demons. And then the enemy looks, but you tuck yourself back in the glory and he can't find you. And let me tell you what, over the years, when I feel the enemy hot on my heels, I'm like, he should not be able to find me if I'm in the glory. If I'm on the west side, if I'm walking in the promises of the Lord, if I'm tucked in the glory, the enemy can be looking around. He's seeing evidence of something happening on a Friday night at Five Stones, but when he comes, he looks and he can't find. He can't see it because he can't see in the glory. And so there's this protection that was on the west side. It was, the, it was in the blessings of our blessings of obedience, our blessings of purity, our blessings of righteousness. Come on, you guys. This is the protection that God, that's all, all of Deuteronomy 28. These are the blessings that will come upon the that will overtake you if you obey the word of the Lord. And, and our message of grace, which I love, has sometimes allowed us to live a life that's permissible. And we come on Sunday mornings and we confess but don't repent because confession's on the east side and repentance is on the west side. See, confession is I'm going to come forward and tell everybody what I did, but repentance is and I'm also going to change my ways. I'm not going back to the east side. We come on Sunday mornings and we confess, but we don't repent. And we wonder why we're not reaping the fullness of the promise. The glory of the Lord encompassing us when you are sitting on the west side, even when nobody is looking. When your mind is saturated by the thoughts of the west side. Not the thoughts of the devil, not the thoughts of hopelessness, not the thoughts of frustration, not the thoughts of disappointment, not the thoughts of discouragement. I'm not saying we don't think those thoughts, but we should not think upon those thoughts. You understand there's a difference. See, I can have a thought, but that thought doesn't have to have me. And when that thought begins to have me because I begin to think upon the thought and then I become the thought, come on, sometimes we become the feeling. And then we embrace the feeling by making statements like, I was angry, I felt angry, and now I am angry. And, we allow, and then next thing you know, we've moved from the space of grace and forgiveness and compassion. We have subtly moved from the west side to the east side of the Jordan. We cannot compromise. We cannot compromise. I wonder in this room... If anybody has settled on the east side of the Jordan when God is calling you to the west side, let me give you a list of some things. East side, the things that I see, west side, the things I can't see. I'm, I'm just going to point. This is, is this east for you guys? Yes. Right? <laughs> well, we just pretend like I'm north, right? So east, west. What we know, what we don't know. I mean, who wants to settle on what you don't know? But they didn't know what was in the west side. I mean, they, they had the word. They knew what God was telling them, but they didn't know. They didn't have eyes on it. This is safe. Come on, this is safe. Over here is warfare. This is permissible. This is beneficial. This is natural. This is spiritual, supernatural. This is confession. This is repentance. This is compromise. This is I'm all in. This is earthly, this is heavenly, this is good, this is best. 
This is a message for the next time I come here. I think this is what I'm going to speak on. These are your natural senses. But over here, there's spiritual senses. This is the discerning of the soul. Come on, a lot of people discern things in the soul in church, and they say they're discerning spirits. I'm like, mm, I don't think so. And that's okay. <laughs> but we'll get you there. We want to get you, but there's better. It's more. A lot of people prophesy from their mind, and I'm like, no, that's okay. But I think we can do more. There's a west side that God has in mind for us. Discerning of the soul, discerning of the spirit. Carnal man, come on, you understand, carnal man is the saved man who still acts natural. Carnal man, spirit man. Soul life, spirit life. Managing demons, delivered from demons. Managing affliction, healed. Come on, we got we to want the west side. We got to get hungry for the west side. Sloppy, we added this Friday night. Sloppy. Messy. <laughs> it's messy, right? That's why we don't like it. Because it's messy. It's messy. Logos word, a red, oh, I can read a word and I can get knowledge. Rhema. It's revealed. It's aha. It's an understanding. It's the eyes of my heart being opened and being enlightened. And I want us to learn how to shift into the spirit. It's more than just stepping out of sin. It's stepping out of your soul, stepping out of your mind, stepping out of your will, stepping out of your personality to step into the personality of Jesus. Come on. I want you to step out of all of those things. You understand it's possible to read the word with your mind. Remember the apostles, they walked with God. They walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus. There it is. They walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and they talked with him. And they had no idea who he was. Listening to the words of Jesus with no revelation of who he is. It is possible that you're praying out of emotion, and you've never learned how to pray in the Spirit. It's possible you're ministering to people out of emotion. I'm just praying that you feel better. Oh, I just love you, and, and God wants you. He loves you. I just, oh, I, I pray that you'll get some sleep. You don't look good. You know? I'm not speaking that over you. Come on. It's a well, these are well-intentioned things. And if we're not careful, we'll settle in that space. Look, one of the things, can I just tell you a pet peeve? I don't like when I go to a church and it's like one person goes forward and next to you and it's like, everybody comes forward and they're like, oh, they're all crying. I'm like, that is just an emotion fest. Somebody lay hands on them or don't. I mean, lay hands on them with intention, spiritual intention. And t- teenagers are really good at that. You go to these youth groups and I do a lot of like youth events and whatever. And like when one kid's forward and they all start kind of clutch and next to you, your drama is my drama. And we're all dramaing together. And I'm like, this is not good. Like, this is not good. But we do that as adults. We come together, we're all praying in, the, in our soul, and nobody's standing up and saying, okay, let's shift now. Like, I want to hear how you're feeling, I want to hear what you're thinking, but now let's shift it. Amen. Now let's speak into that thing. Come on, that's spoken like a prophet. <laughs> you know, we're, I'm like, no, we're, we're going to speak into this thing. Amen. So look, it is possible for me to make godly decisions out of my own personal will. It's possible for me to act godly but deny the power of God, which is what it says in 2 Timothy 3. These are a sign of the times that there will be people 
who actually have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. And I wonder if there are places in our life where we have slept into that. I'm, we just got to be honest with ourselves. Is there a place in my life where I've learned what it looks like to be a believer? I've learned what it looks like to act compassionately. I've learned what it looks like to operate with a form of godliness. But in that moment, I'm not walking in the power of the Spirit. I'm denying that there's a greater power. I like to tell people all the time, the Holy Spirit can do better than that. Oh, you've learned how to manage your anger? That's great. But the Holy Spirit can do better than that. You've learned how to act compassionate when somebody's driving you nuts? That's good. That's part of the process, but it's not the destination. And what happens is is we are like, okay, I see the destination over there, but we're going to choose to let this be the destination because this is good enough. Paul talks about how he wished he could speak with the Corinthians about spiritual things, but he was unable to because they still lived a carnal lifestyle. He said, I wish I could talk to you about, I can only compare spiritual things with spiritual things is what he says in chapter two. He goes on in chapter three, verse one, and he says, I wish I could talk to you about the meat of the, of the kingdom, but you're still carnal. He's talking to believers in this passage. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to you and I. He's saying, I want to talk to you about spiritual things. Some of you are like, man, I want to be talked to. I want to experience spiritual things, but then I want to go home and still live my carnal lifestyle. And so you look at somebody like me, you look at somebody like Pastor, you look at, like, at somebody like Maravel, and you go, God, I wish I could prophesy like they do. But I still want to do all my things Monday through Saturday. You're going to have to change some things in your life. You're going to have to walk away from some things. You're going to have to leave. If you can't enter into the west side, if you're still on the east side, there's got to be some breaking away. We wonder why we're not coming into the kingdom and why we're not experiencing the supernatural. So how do we begin this process? I was reminded of Acts 20, 30, 17, sorry, Acts chapter 17, verse 30, where it talks about Paul's actually talking to the philosophers of Athens, and he says to them, Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands men everywhere to repent. And I understand the context of that verse, but I want you to hear it today. I want you to hear what God is. Truly there was a time in your life where I overlooked your ignorance, where I overlooked your permissible things, where I overlooked... The fact that you think it's okay to whatever it is. But we're in a new season. We're in the end times. There is a rising up that God is looking for. Look at when he speaks an invitation, it's not just to the me and to the Byron and to the past. It's to his people. And you either respond or you stay on the east side. And so the first thing you need to ask yourself is, what do I need to repent of? What are not, not the, the big overt sins, guys. Again, we're all too good for that in here. We've all figured out how to live a kind of godly lifestyle, right? I'm talking about the things that we have settled in and said, this is good. This is okay. And God's been like, sure, yeah, you can settle there if you want. Absolutely. You can go ahead and stay on the east side. But you're going to miss out on all the things on the west side. And so it is possible that there are some things in our lives that God has allowed, things that are permissible, that he was asking us, inviting us to turn away from today. In 2 Timothy 2.20, it talks about 
two kinds of articles that you find in the palace. He says the one kind of article is inlaid with silver and gold. The other one is earthen and it's wood. Um, and one is brought out for special occasion. And the other one is just used every day. And some of us are just the, well, it's just kind of an everyday living. I wish I could be brought out in special occasions, but I don't want to be inlaid with silver and gold, or I'm not inlaid with silver or gold. He goes on, he says, but you, Timothy, must not see your life and ministry this way. Your life and your ministry must not be disgraced, for you are to be pure, a pure container of Christ. I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to say it to you. You, enter your name, are to be a pure container of Christ on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, dedicated to the honorable purpose, purposes of your master, prepared for every good work that he gives you to do. Run as fast as you can from all the ambitions and the lusts of the world. And chase after the things that are pure. Chase after the west side. Be as excited about the things of the spirit as you are about your partying with your friends. Be as excited about reading the word as you are about watching that movie. Come on, let's just keep it. Be as excited about listening to worship music as you are rocking it out to the Bee Gees. Whatever it is. I'm trying to keep it real. Trying to keep it relevant because we all too good in this room to have the big sins. If there is such a thing in scripture. He goes on and he says, he goes on in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, For every soldier called to active duty must divorce himself from the distractions of this world. So that he can be fully, so he can fully satisfy the one who chose him. So we say we want to go into new places in the spirit, but are we willing to cross the Jordan? What does that mean? It means you have to repent. And remember, repent doesn't mean I'm going to come forward and I'm going to confess it. Don't come forward and confess something that you know you're not going to change. Pet peeve, are you going to change your ways? I'll try. No, you won't. Go sit down. Go sit down. You either do or you don't. Decide you will. Make a decision today. I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes. Will you just come up and play for me? And I'm, going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to pray over you guys this passage in Ephesians. And then, then I will open the altar. I'll, I'll ask the, if you're on the fivefold to come forward, if you're pre prepared to minister. If you're a cleansed vessel this morning, come on. I'm going to be, well, we, we have to work at it too, guys. We've got to also allow the Spirit to search us, to seek us, to see if there be any wicked way with us. My intercessor always asks me, how's your heart? Because nobody wants to drink from a dirty vessel. Before I minister every time, how's your heart? Have you gone through repentance? Have you allowed the Spirit to search you? Have you allowed the Spirit to ask you if there's any spot or any wrinkle, any speck of dust in your heart? Because nobody wants to drink from a dirty vessel. We want the west side, but we're not willing to leave the east side. And I'm telling you, God has a west side story in mind for you. Ephesians 1, it says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is 
the wealth of God's glorious inheritance. That's the west side. Come on, I'm praying that your eyes, the eyes of your heart, not your mind, I'm, I'm asking the mind, the natural mind to step back and the spirit mind to come forward. I'm asking the natural eye to be closed and the, spirit, the, the spiritual eye to be opened. Come on, we're asking the spirit man in you to come forward, to rise up, come forward. And it goes on and it says that the wealth of his glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. The inheritance, the west side story, you guys, is not a place where you're going. It's who you are. You are the West Side Story. You carry the West Side Story. You are the reflection of the West Side Story. And it goes on, it says, I pray that you will continuously, continuously, not just on Sundays, not just on Friday nights, not just on Thursday nights, but I pray, and I'm speaking this over you, I pray that every person in this room will continuously experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power that is made available to us through his promises. Then your life will become an advertisement for this immense power. This is the West Side Story that your life becomes an advertisement for something greater than just enough, than permissible, than what I can see. Where do I start? You ask the Lord, tell me one thing. Tell me one thing, just tell me one thing, Lord. Just reveal to me one thing where I've settled in the permissible and I need to walk away from it. I don't need to confess of it. I need to walk away from it. I need to repent and walk away. Walk away. Some of you in this room have relationships on the east side of the Jordan. And you need to walk away. And people in your life have told you that they're not bad. You've even justified that you're trying to be a testimony to those people. When in your spirit, when I tell your soul to step back and your spirit to come forward, in your spirit, you know that you know I'm missing out. That this relationship is keeping me from the bigger portions, the immeasurable greatness of the kingdom. Some of you in this realm, will keep it real practical. You use a language that's been permissible. And God wants to give you a spiritual language. He wants to give you a spiritual tongue. He wants you to speak of spiritual things. He wants you to have a spiritual mind. He wants you to grasp a hold of the supernatural. Look, I'm just gonna call forth kind of a prophetic act today that even as we're, we're gonna shift the room, this is now the east side and this is the west side, right? And I'm not saying you're all on the east side, but what I am saying is I'm pretty sure there's probably at least one area of your life where you're still on the east side. I can say that for myself pretty confidently. And so I'm just gonna kind of, even as you kind of cross this border, I just want you to feel, see, sense, speak, declare. When I cross this, I'm crossing the Jordan. And I'm not coming up here to just fight and battle for an hour or for 15 minutes or for five minutes. I'm going to cross over and I'm never going back. I'm never going back. You do it, God. You do it, God. Thank you, Jesus. 
I hope you enjoyed today's message. I want to invite you to my upcoming conference, West Side Story, being held this fall, October 13th and 14th. Join us for three teaching sessions, corporate worship, a training on generational curses, personal reflection activities, and prophetic ministry. And of course, there will be lots of altar ministry. You can attend this conference in person or you can attend it virtually. Either way, we want you to be empowered to enter into your own personal West Side Story. For more information, please head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. I hope to see you there. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.